Eating Hearts by Yoon Ha Lee They tell many stories in that land surrounded on three sides by ocean, sometimes of foxes with small, sharp smiles, sometimes of rats wearing men's clothing. They tell stories of the magician whose tomb was found empty after his death, and of bones that beg for proper burial. Sometimes they speak of their first human king, a son of heaven, and his mother, a bear, who had become human by meditating in the deepest and most dreadful of caves. If they mention the bear's companion, it is to describe her pacing in the darkness, unable to sit still, then running out of the cave in shame, unable to become human. It's not about seeing, Chuan explained to her just after he brought the meal to the table. The perfect magician is all blind, all unknowing. No sound reaches a wall to wake an echo. No touch bridges distance. He leaned back against the wall where, Haranga imagined, the cloth of his shirt hung over the hollow curve of his back. He lived in a house in the city by the river, and long ago the sound of fish swimming endlessly in that river would have distracted her from her purpose. "'Then what do you do in this house?' asked Haranga, looking not at his face or his hands, but at the plate between them. The plate was heaped with tender vegetables, slivers of rare meat, and sliced nuts— over the vegetables and meat and nuts, he had drizzled three different sauces in a tapestry of taste. A perfect magician, I said. He smiled. It was important to understand exactly what Chuan, this latest maker of magic, said to her. To do that, Haranga had to ask insolent questions, which was easy, because a woman who came alone to a man's house had no pretense of virtue. She had walked away from her mother's family long ago to seek magic, and since no one in her mother's family would acknowledge her, she sought the more interesting thing, magicians. She was a striking woman, tall like a tree in the moment before wind and snow bring it down, and she had long loose hair and lips on the verge of promises. Magicians were permitted their eccentricities and their dalliances, so Chuan had bought her new shoes, although she needed them not, and a new umbrella besides, and put a purse of his own coins into her hand and invited her into his house. An old bargain. Haranga looked back up at Chuan's face by way of his poised hand and the lines of his arm. She had tasted delicacies from every province, and she understood the importance of this moment. As they ate, the two of them, neither looked away from the other. And as they set down their chopsticks after the last mouthful, Chuan said, I am, of course, far from being a perfect magician. This disappointed her. And why is that? She knew the coquette's art of gazing down and to the side, of the hesitant touch, and disdained to use it. Such gestures belonged to younger women, first of all, and to women with shallower purposes, most of all. A forthright gaze suited her better. The near-perfect magician, he said, desires a single thing only when desire he must. He desires it so perfectly that nothing else exists, and this is the root that nourishes his magic-making. At other times, in other places, he may live as ordinary men, but magic with nothing to distract it from its purpose, that is what he shapes. So a perfect magician desires nothing, said Haranga, who believed in stating things plainly, and everything becomes possible as a solution to the desire he does not have. That is it, said Chuan, and his sober tone pleased her. She had spoken with many a magician in her travels, and not all of them had taken her seriously. You must have a philosophical turn of mind to grasp it so quickly. Was it to learn magic that you came here? No, said Haranga with perfect honesty, and her gaze moved to the plates once they had sated themselves. It was her turn to smile, and she averted her gaze to avoid alarming the man with what was in her eyes. I am not interested in magic so much as I am interested in magicians. 
She spoke of a category rather than a particular, but he understood her well enough. Once, a tiger watched outside a window, yearning after human skin and human manners, but knew no means of obtaining them except by eating human hearts. During the night, when half the moon hung low in the sky and its other half shone in fragments from the city's great river, Haranga said to the man beneath her, For the desire that consumes your heart, O magician, what would you do? Other men had answered this question amid silks or satins or furs. She was offended by furs, though she should not be. In any case, they had said the expected thing to a woman above them. Chuan pleased her by saying, albeit in a teasing, dream-laden voice, Other than this, I might walk blindfold during the darkest hours with no star overhead, no path underfoot. It always came back to darkness above all other forms of deprivation. Would you go into a cave, a place where no light has ever lived and no wind has ever blown and even the water has forgotten its wellspring? Chuan reached up to stroke a lock of her hair that would otherwise have fallen upon his face. A perfect magician would see no need, having mastered all distraction. He would also see no reason why not. But a near-perfect magician, why, yes. Into a cave, while you have only the scantest of provisions to sustain you and only a trickle of water? Her voice grew lower, deeper, descending. Yes, he breathed, letting go of her hair into a cave with no space to lie down and scarcely enough room to turn around and around. Yes, he said again, into a cave where the seasons blur into one long, languid chill and nothing varies but the speed of your pulse. Yes. Even a tiger can only eat so many hearts before they start to taste bitter, then sour, then like nothing at all. By that point, even a tiger's own heart, the rarest of delicacies, loses all savor. Our tiger, who once watched outside windows, is not incapable of learning this. Toward morning, when languor had fallen upon them and words returned, Chuan asked his own question. You only ask about reasons to go into the cave and to stay there. Why not reasons to leave it? You are here and not in a cave. I should think that the question answers itself. And so it does, said the far from perfect magician. How many hearts have you eaten, my dear? Too many, she said, indifferent to numbers, but honest in essence. Were they all magicians' hearts? Only later, Haranga said, unsurprised by his astuteness. He was a magician, after all. If you are waiting for a perfect magician, Chuan said, you are looking for the wrong thing. You have a mantle of hair wholly black, and you walk upon two legs. You did the better thing by refusing to let the cave consume you long ago. You wanted to be something other than virtuous, which is to say, you wanted freedom. And you have it, which is one thing more than the mother of that long-ago king ever had. It is kind of you to say so, Ranga murmured, but only humans become perfect magicians through their desire, because they need not become human first. I have discovered no way to eat hearts of magicians or otherwise while leaving them intact. I am willing to be enlightened, if it does not require sitting still in meditation to find out. Nonsense, said Chuan, and took her hand, which had strong, slender fingers and fingernails that were merely fingernails. About eating hearts, I mean. Haranga gazed at him in astonishment. I have spent this last night demonstrating how to consume a heart while leaving it intact, as of you, said Chuan, and it seemed to me that you were quite awake for it, or do you, in the perfection of your desire, have no heart left for me to consume? They tell many stories in that land surrounded on three sides by ocean, sometimes of foxes with small, sharp smiles, sometimes of rats wearing men's clothing, 
They tell stories of the magician whose tomb was found empty after his death and of bones that beg for proper burial. Sometimes they speak of their first human king, a son of heaven, and his mother, a bear, who had become human by meditating in the deepest and most dreadful of caves. If they mention the bear's companion, it is to describe her pacing in the darkness, unable to sit still, then running out of the cave in shame, unable to become human. But the children of tigers, who are sometimes also the children of men, tell a different story. This has been a Podcastle Miniature. Eating Hearts was written by Yoon Ha Lee, who currently lives in Pasadena with her husband and daughter. You can find her blog at yhlee.livejournal.com. This story first appeared in the magazine of fantasy and science fiction in 2005. It was read by Podcastle associate editor and co-host Anne Leckie of annelecky.com. This story is dedicated to the tigers in Yoon Ha Lee's family. <laughs>